I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Sometimes I'll post something that I feel like is so niche and so just a personal experience of mine, and people will be like, oh no, that's all you, like you're the only person who's gone through that, which I can't even think of any examples when you hate a secret love, that's going to yeah. be me. <laughs> like, it's just you, Carolyn, you monster. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast asking all the important questions about queer life, like who gets to keep the sex bench? I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> and I'm Melody Kamali. And today we're diking out with Cheyenne, aka Hot Mespian, about memes. Her Hot Mespian Instagram account is dedicated to sapphic memes and has over 100,000 followers. Cheyenne, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. A couple of quick announcements. We have seen an uptick in ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for everybody who's taking the time to do that. It takes like 30 seconds. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts, find Diking Out, and leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find us. Also, if you are not a patron on Patreon yet, we have been doing some extra content that's a little bit different than the normal extra content we already have there. So we're spending time with our guests to record like a 20 questions thing at the end of each episode whenever we can. And we're putting those up on Patreon. So for $3 a month, 
you can have access to that. And lastly, we are coming up with some more merch and kind of switching up how we do our merch. And it's going to be on Etsy. So if you're curious about what we have up now, you can go find the Diking Out shop on Etsy. We'll have like a a big official launch at some other point. But I know some of you were asking about whether or not we made those shirts that say mind your heterosexual business. And we have three different colors that you can get it in. So yeah, go to Etsy and find that. Get those orders in before June, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, Uh, To celebrate Pride on Instagram, you're going to need to be (laughs) wearing all the latest (laughs) merch. So much going on, but not really. I don't know. There was a big bombshell yesterday. So we're recording this on a Thursday. And yesterday the news hit that Cara Delevingne and Ashley Benson have split. Yes, I woke up to the news with like a huge gasp. Allie thought someone had died or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was not shocked at all. I can't believe many people were. I don't know. I saw like some posts that were like, love isn't real anymore. And I'm like, this is like a surprisingly long time for Kara to be in a relationship, right? Have they confirmed the breakup themselves? I don't uh, know, but did they ever confirm the relationship? Like, <laughs> <laughs> They confirmed the relationship. I know okay. that for sure. But I know a few months ago or maybe sometime last year, there was a rumor that they had gotten married. Yes. But I don't think that was ever confirmed or denied. So maybe this isn't real. <laughs> I'm I mean I'm hoping I'm not that invested but Yeah, I feel like when things hit people.com then that's usually like the celebrity gossip has been vetted when it gets there. But yeah, I don't know, breaking up during during quarantine, it's a thing. It happens. Maybe they'll get back together, but I'm just excited to see what straight girl Kara starts hanging around next. <laughs> I know. Who then we learn has come into the fold and is part of the community. And they were a, a cute couple, but was honestly super surprised that, that they made it this far. It is sad. I mean, I have read stuff about them, like talking about the relationship and how it's like the most like significant relationship they've ever been in it's like the most in love they've ever been in so it is it is sad I know I'm very like dismissive of Karen Delphine and her love life (laughs) I'm wondering if they're going to continue quarantining together though because I know they've been in like TikToks or maybe just like Instagram story videos together so I wonder if they're like still staying in the same house I mean that'd be the the queer thing to do is stay together and (laughs) live together and maybe become best friends Mm -hmm. maybe work together who knows who knows it could go so many different directions but they also have both enough money to not have to be quarantined together (laughs) so that's true (laughs) yeah it's a lot easier to not have to live with your ex when you have money I feel like that's more of a poor people problem Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and a New Yorker problem because most of us in New York are poor by default uh, I just want her to get back with Annie Clark. I don't know. Uh, that was my favorite relationship. Are either of you like into Cara Delevingne? Like, do you look at her and think like, wow, she's hot? Because I just think she looks like an evil villain. Like, she looks like a Disney <laughs> villain to me. Those strong brows. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think she's gorgeous. I don't. I. She looks like very mean and uh, <laughs> and not in a way that I like. You know, not like Hillary Clinton. She was scary. I She crossed my path crossing the sidewalk, maybe around this time last year. She got out of this like big black SUV out onto the sidewalk and just like forced her way through this Union Square crowd. And she did look scary then. 
<laughs> like my heart, everyone just kind of like had their hand on their chest. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a look. I feel like I had a huge crush on her before I realized I was gay. Like I oh. just thought she was so pretty. Well, that yeah. that's her thing. Getting yeah. getting people hooked <laughs> who don't realize they're gay yet. <laughs> She's doing important work. She is. She is <laughs> the human gaydar. And speaking of Ashley Benson and Pretty Little Liars, Melody, have we talked about Pretty Little Liars? Have you? We've talked about how I know nothing about. You it. know nothing about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cheyenne, are you into Pretty Little Liars at all? So I. I didn't finish the show, but I was That's like, in fine. high school when it came out. So, okay. yeah, I was pretty into it. I was very invested in the Emily, right? Shane yes. character. I was very invested in that storyline, but n- not in a gay way. I just thought it was like <laughs> super interesting. And she was really pretty. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're like, why isn't this whole show about her and her relationships with all these girlfriends? With Beyonce's stepsister, Bianca Lawson. Wait, Bianca Lawson is related to Beyonce? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, that just, (laughs) you know, I already thought like Bianca Lawson was incredible because she's played a high school teenager for like, 19 years I think of her mm-hmm. career but now the the Beyonce relation wow she she's got it all the pretty little liar moms from the show who are all babes they are creating a rewatch podcast where they get like wine drunk and talk about pretty little liars and Honestly, I'm in. I'm so interested on <laughs> their perspectives on the show. Because if, if you watched Pretty Little Liars, like there are just episodes where they don't have the budget to have the parents also on the show. So in a lot of like situations where you're like, where are the parents? And it's like, well, they could only have so many characters in this episode. And it would be interesting to hear what was going on in their minds when it was happening. I feel like that's really surprising because that was a big show, you know, way back when. So that's surprising that they didn't have that budget. I mean, that's just my assumption that it's a budget thing because there's sometimes in, in shows where it's like characters who should be there aren't and you're like I I don't know just my limited knowledge of how tv shows work it's like you can't have everybody all the time you know Chad Lowe comes with a a heavy price tag apparently and has to like be off on business trips a lot what else so yeah I want to I want to check out that podcast uh, a secret love on netflix we talked about it a little bit last week i hadn't seen it yet cheyenne have you seen it i cried the entire time <laughs> me too <laughs> not me well guess who's a little grinch about it yeah why didn't you cry i did <laughs> i got a little emotional at one part but let me say i think that was a shitty documentary and very misleading it was like 80 percent about elder care and -hmm. they're really mean to pat and Mm -hmm. so like if you haven't watched it yet and it's not really a spoiler type thing it's this old couple and it's supposed to you think it's supposed to be it's called a secret love about them being closeted until like the very last years of their life and at the time that they were seeing each other like in the 40s and everything like they could have like lost their their jobs like all sorts of bad things you know there were roundups at gay bars and people going to jail for being gay and and all sorts of stuff and they had to perform femininity and all all this stuff and lie to everybody they know people thought that they were cousins and they let them think that 
that's what I want to hear about. You get like some of the details of that, but then it's mm-hmm. all about like the family trying to put them in a retirement home because the one woman, Terry, has Parkinson's, but her partner, Pat, is taking care of her at home and clearly doesn't want to leave the home. And she's still like able to drive. And then Terry's family is like trying to force her in a situation that she doesn't want. They're very patronizing, like acting like Pat doesn't want what's best for Terry as well. Then, like, in the very end, like, they end up in a city that Pat doesn't want to be in. And, like, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, you know, they're really old. Uh, (laughs) Terry passes away. And now Pat's up there in the place that she doesn't want to be with Terry's family, who's, like, not really nice to her. And they took away, you know, they took over her, like, just everything. I don't know. I just felt like Pat was treated in a way that she wouldn't have been had she been a man and Terry's husband. I think people would have given a husband a lot more respect to his decisions and how he wants to take care of things and where he would want them to live. I was thrown off when they started with, was it Terry's niece just being like, Pat doesn't like me. She she, she stole her away. You know, I had no idea we were going to get so much of Terry's family at that point. And this, it kept getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, oh, this is the storyline. We're right. dealing with here. But I believe it's someone in Terry's family who made the movie. I don't know if it was like the niece's son Ooh. or something like that, but it was made in the family. So that that I makes think sense. Is why, then. Yeah. I mean, the the love that they had in the relationship, it was touching. But I wanted I wanted to know like more about their their past like how did they make it work for so long in secret and like they talk like a little bit about them getting together but they didn't really dive into it and at one point they're with like their gay guy friends and talking about like how scary it was to be gay back then and I'm like more of this and I wanted more of that yeah I feel like all they said was Pat gave Terry a letter and I was like I want to know more about like how they realized the other person was gay like right. got those vibes, fell in love. All she said yeah. was, I gave her a letter and then, you know, we ran to each other and kissed. Right. They were just on that street corner. That's really mm-hmm. all they got into. Yeah. And I wanted to know about their like kind of chosen family with their like gaggle of gays. It seemed like they had a really interesting social life. And I wanted we just got a few pictures of that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all that stuff was nice. Like I didn't need to see that one relative like playing the guitar like <laughs> oh yeah the one we're not supposed to really like because she doesn't like pat that much yeah. i don't know i didn't like her from the beginning and then at the end we we're supposed to watch her play mm-hmm. a gratuitous guitar song but you know it was produced by ryan murphy so my expectations were kind of Ugh. low to begin with like you know that he's never gonna deliver something that you're completely happy with we wanted more from it yeah i wanted more from it and then it just made it seem like the focus of the story was about the secret love, but really it was about like forcing these people into assisted living. I told you I wanted a docu-series on this couple and maybe elder care could have been one episode, you know? Yeah, like uh, elder care, like it's an important topic in in society and stuff, but like... I did see someone make a joke about Pat being like the elderly Carol Baskin, like from (laughs) Tiger King, which... Yeah, that's funny, but I felt more like... Because she's a murder magnet? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what Carolyn called her. <laughs> I got more of the vibe, like, the universe really did not want her to be with a man. And, like, yes. just took out any man in her life to make sure that she ended up with a woman. Right? Yeah, we we crunched the numbers and we're like, wait a minute. If she ended up with 
Terry at what age was it? 18. Like, 18. Yeah. Those and how three many men, men had died. to die? <laughs> but it's, before it's a short that, amount of time. I know. I was like, was she engaged for the first time when she was 15? Like that that was a lot of death. Mm-hmm. A death magnet, not a murder magnet. Nobody was yeah. murdered that we know of. But that was a lot of death in poor Pat's life. But I think you're right, Cheyenne, that that should have been the climax of the documentary should have been like discovering that, you know, it really was the will of God or whatever to (laughs) have Pat be a lesbian. Exactly. It's also insane to me that nobody knew that they were lesbians when Pat goes by the name Pat, but her name's Emma Marie. Apparently (laughs) she comes out as an Emma Marie at the end. I, I had to like rewind. I'm like, what did they call her? How do you get Pat from Emma Marie? That's the gayest thing. That's the gayest nickname you can give yourself if your name's Emma Marie. Call me Pat. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't know. I was sobbing, but at, at one point, like, I was crying for 10 to 15 minutes after, and I couldn't stop. And then <laughs> Allie was like, I don't know if you're crying because of their love story anymore or because you have a hard time dealing with death. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like, I just, it was very confusing. But I was messaging with a Diking Out listener, Jesse Katz, after, and she did say what encapsulated my feelings about it, which made me cry about this relationship that life is short and queer people lose so much time. Like mm-hmm. that's really it. That's like I beautiful. was just like mourning the time lost. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend was like not judging me, but she just was like, Oh baby, like feeling bad that I was crying the entire time. But then at the end she started crying and was like, Terry didn't even get to see the movie. <laughs> like oh. that's what hurt her heart. <laughs> Yeah, my girlfriend is normally the one who cries at everything, and I'm usually pretty stoic, but she was totally, she had it together, and I was sobbing, and she's like, what? I'm just, I'm just picturing how cute we're going to be when we're their age. (laughs) It was making Allie very happy. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually thinking about that, too. I was like, ooh, I can't wait for me and Cecilia. I mean, I can wait, but also can't wait for us to be like cute little old lesbian ladies together like going into assisted living places and being like we're gay do you have a problem yeah (laughs) is there a problem here (laughs) i like that that poor lady in the assisted living place she's like oh you know everybody's nice to everybody i think they'll be friendly (laughs) we're not monsters so Well, you had to have felt something during the wedding come on carolyn um i'm trying to think of what part i got emotional at I I don't think it was the wedding it it was making me more emotional thinking about like my own grandmother actually Mm -hmm. like it might have been (laughs) I might have been just like crying because I felt bad for for Pat because I got it like my grandma didn't want to move into an assisted living place and she had Alzheimer's and she needed that kind of help and couldn't be living by herself but all she wanted was to stay in her own home and declined so much once she moved into assisted living and I just always wonder like had she been in her home would it not have like progressed so so fast in her that that's like a very stressful situation for an old person to be taken out of you know, they were living in that house for 23 years, they said. That's... Yeah. yeah. And then the assisted living was like 6000 a month. Yes. Like, oh, that insane. was crazy. That's... No, assisted living places are like minimum $6,000 a month. Like, for, for that, it seemed like they could have just stayed at their place and had 
an aide come in. I mean, they had the physical therapist coming on. I don't know. Okay, I'm. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll get like a Netflix original about you know life back then and see people growing older. Like, were they using strap-ons back then? I want to <laughs> know. Did you make a meme about it? We can. <laughs> oh yes. Um, Should we brainstorm a meme? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I. I did make a meme about it, but not, I don't know. I felt kind of weird making a meme about their lives. I mean, I make lots of content about so many different things, but this felt weird to just like kind of make jokes about them. The one thing I made a meme out of was there was like a clip of the niece saying, oh, I just thought they were really good friends. And I said something along the lines of like, my family about me with my partner of 85 years. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, hot mespian, how, how did you come to be like this wildly popular lesbian meme maker? What's the journey? Yeah, I was following a few meme pages. One I don't even think exists anymore. The other was, I think her, it's Xena Warrior Princess. I don't know if you know of her mm, account. Yeah. And I really loved those pages but I just felt like they weren't updating enough so I decided to just like take matters into my own hands and start making content myself I was actually talking to this girl that I had met on tinder and we were going to start the account together but she kind of kept flaking out on me so I was like whatever I'll do it myself I don't ever stick with anything so I was like oh this will be like a project I start and you know get bored of after two weeks but now I've done it for over a year just like really weird to see it grow because I remember hitting 100 followers and like being amazed that so many people wanted to look at what I was posting. So was there like one meme in particular that kind of like changed the trajectory of the account or was it just like gradual steady growth over time? I wouldn't say there was one meme Ruby Rose followed me about a year ago and shared one of my memes Uh-oh. on her story. So that helped me. Um, I got like 4,000 followers overnight. So that helped like a little bit, but I wouldn't say that like completely changed anything. It just like a lot of effort on my part. My therapist keeps telling me I need to like stop downplaying all the effort I've put into it and like blaming <laughs> it on luck. No, you're clearly putting in the work. Like I I follow your page and like long before even diking out, I mm-hmm. I've like there's lots of content. I can see that it is very much like a job too. Oh like, yeah. Putting in the hours for and we thank you for your service. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's just like my creative outlet. That's really the main thing for me. And now it's become a community. I live, okay, I actually live near Buffalo. Um, <gasps> you yeah. do? Yeah, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah. I've so, driven through there on the way yeah, to other places. <laughs> we have one tiny gay bar. It's obviously mostly men, as most gay bars are. But, you know, there's not really a community here. And if there is, it's usually older. I'm 24. I'm going to be 25 soon. So I don't really have a huge community. So this, like, internet community is my main source of connection. Now, going back to Ruby Rose, do you remember what the meme was that she shared? I'm kind of curious what resonated with her. Um, It was (laughs) the older sister from that 70s show. Was her name Lori? And she was pouring a bottle of, like, vodka or something into a glass. It was just, like, me, and then it just said, that gay shit. It was (laughs) the easiest meme to make. (laughs) No... Uh 
<laughs> no effort put into it at all. But she liked it, I guess. So, I mean, it worked out. I've talked to her a few times. She's really nice. Wow. Wow. The perks yeah. of being a meme maker. Uh, is there a name for... Are you like a memester? What What is it? <laughs> um... I don't know. I just call myself like a content creator. I feel like it seems more legit. (laughs) I have to admit that like um, a couple hours before we sat down to record, I watched the American meme on Netflix. I was like, I got to do research. (laughs) Googled meme definition, even though I know what it is. I don't know like like an exact definition still. But yeah, I feel really old. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you for revealing your age because I was like desperately curious yeah (laughs) yeah so I remember my first experience with memes was like a little less than 15 years ago and when people still had live journals and a friend of mine was like looking at a live journal of somebody that I had a crush on and they said too many memes and I was like, what's, I was like, what is a meme? What does that mean? Does that, does that mean she's straight? Like I was so confused. And then like slowly started getting like the concept of memes. I was a meme for Halloween once. I was keyboard cat. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's like the OG meme. Yeah, yeah. I, I could keep up with memes a while ago. And now it's like there, there are certain ones that I follow or like that I know when they're blowing up and other ones that I'm like, by the time I realize that it's like a popular meme, I'm like, well, I'm too late. I can't get in on the joke. Like every, every joke that's been made about this picture that's good has already been made. Uh, but that's not necessarily true. I want to know about the process. Like, do you see an image and think of like the text that you would put on it? Or do you like think of a, do you have like a folder of images you know you'll want to use in the future? And it's a matter of finding I don't know assigning the right joke to it down the line yeah it's both the better the better content is when I see a picture and I'm like oh this would be perfect for this scenario but I do have like lists in my phone of ideas and and I save pictures that I'm like oh maybe this could be a really good meme but those ones are kind of harder to make because I don't know it's just like hard to find the perfect picture sometimes and then I try to be like as inclusive as possible and like use people of color and people of different like gender presentations and people with disabilities and fat people but most of the images out there it's like celebrities and stock photos and (laughs) those are like both very cis white like abled um, so I don't have very many options, but I cho- I do try to be, like, as diverse as possible. And are, are there ever any issues with, like, using pictures? Like, do you ever have someone being like, hey, you don't have permission for that? Oh, yeah. I've had people be like, hey, this is a picture of me and my ex. Can you delete this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm not going to fight it. I'll just find another picture. And But sometimes, like, that's the perfect picture and everyone loves it. And it's so funny. But, I mean... It, it's not mine to use. I usually just find it on Google or whatever. <laughs> I hope you get a message from Cara Delevingne that's like, hey, that's a picture of me and my ex <laughs> <laughs> moving our sex bench. Yeah, I know. That would be so weird. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any other celesbian interactions? So Margaret Cho follows me. Yes. Um, but I haven't really spoken to her much. Do you guys know who DJ Kittens is? No. <laughs> I feel like I Sounds should, though. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, I should. So she's, like, a DJ out in L.A. She's beautiful, and she's so nice. I talk to her 
pretty frequently. She's friends with Ruby Rose. They're actually exes. And she mm-hmm. dated Demi Lovato in the past. <gasps> She's really cool. So I talk to her sometimes. When I first started my account, Ariana Grande shared one of my posts. And I did get like a few hundred followers from that. But it was before I started watermarking my content. So uh, I like kicked, I like kicked myself so hard for that. I I wonder if like if she shared one of your things and a lot of her followers are straight and they were just like very confused. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do have like a decent amount of straight followers. A lot of gay guys follow me, which is interesting. Yeah, I've seen you post like drag race images. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get messages from like cis straight men and they're like I love reading this content like it turns me on so much and I'm like block (laughs) immediately (laughs) wow it doesn't take much for them seriously yeah of all (laughs) of all the levels of lesbian content for men to objectify I would think memes would be the last resort (laughs) yeah this one guy told me that him and his girlfriend like read them together to like get turned on and I was like first of all shame on her Yeah. 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 What is wrong with straight people? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Like, you know, I just always assumed that men didn't like when women made them laugh uh, or think. So you're doing both. You're making us laugh and think. And they're they're still getting turned on. Gross, (laughs) dude. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. We talked about people you know, maybe taking issue with you using their image, but what about like the content itself? Do you get like backlash on oh, certain means? Yes. How do you deal with that? I know. I'm so curious about this because yeah, we obviously also get a lot of feedback for things mm-hmm. on, on diking out or there are a lot of things where I get like so nervous about it. I'm like, maybe we edit that out of the episode or whatever. And then like, I try to engage mindfully with people, but sometimes it seems like, oh, this person doesn't want to engage. They just want to be angry or they just want to yep. police me. How do you yeah. deal with that? Yeah. Give us advice, please. <laughs> I, I Sometimes I engage in it. Sometimes I address people Some because I am in the wrong. I'm not perfect. Um, right. I'm still learning. We're all doing our best. I, I hate when people say that like liberals are so easily offended, like that kind of mentality. But sometimes I do think that people are so easily offended. Like, I could make a meme that says gay people like iced coffee and someone would be like, actually, I prefer hot coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. People just want to take things personally and also distort what I've said. But I mean, I just think of it as, okay, they have a different set of experiences that have led them to reading this. And, you know, maybe they're interpreting it completely differently. Who am I to say? So sometimes I engage with it. Sometimes I don't. A lot of the time, my followers do, you know, duke it out in the comments with people. Yeah. So So because, like, the thing with memes, right, like, uh, I want to hear from you what you think makes makes a good meme. But from, from my perspective, it's having something feel relatable. And to have something be relatable, you have to make sweeping generalizations. Yes. So it'll be like, lesbians be like this. And then, and then you'll have someone that's like, no, I'm a lesbian. And I like, how dare you further this stereotype or something like that? And it's like, well, this is how we have fun. And this is how we joke, like to be able to make a meme be funny. It has to Mm -hmm. make some type of sweeping generalization, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, what connects us. Sometimes I'll post something that I feel like is so niche and so 
just a personal experience of mine and people will be like oh no that's all you like you're the only person who's gone through that which I can't even think of any examples when you hate a secret love that's gonna yeah. be me <laughs> like it's just you Carolyn you monster <laughs> I posted something about how I thought it was easier to shave my pubes on the toilet and I was like everyone's gonna think I'm a freak for this but so many people in the comments were like hey I do that too yeah. my girlfriend thinks it's weird and I was like wow maybe I'm not as weird as I think I am. <laughs> so it's just like, it's nice realizing that we are so similar despite our differences. Yeah, I feel like it can go both ways, right? Like if you're if you're being like very honest about something that's like very true to you, mm-hmm. then it's probably going to be true to other people and they'll be like, oh my God, yes, me too. Or you see something that like, might not be true for you, but you recognize it as being an experience that people you know have, and then you can laugh about that. Exactly. So what does make a good meme? Like, when when do you, like, come up with one and you're like, this one is fire? Okay, so that's what's hard about it, because the ones I put so much effort into, and, you know, sometimes I'll spend over an hour um, on my phone just, like, perfecting a meme, those ones get a maybe a couple thousand likes and then one like the one that ruby rose shared where i was like that gay shit and it'll be like twelve thousand likes and i'm like really i i should just put no effort into this yeah that's my relationship with twitter yeah (laughs) exactly yeah i could be like my poops are regular and then it's like three thousand retweets or something and then like my very well-crafted clever joke that I'm patting myself on the back about gets like two likes (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's so frustrating I don't know I guess I like content that engages the viewers kind of like tag yourself if this applies yeah Um, I don't know this is such a new like kind of art form in a way there's not like meme or names for the different types of memes like there's like tag yourself they're just like labeling things but like like venn diagrams yeah and you're you didn't have any type of like social media background or anything like that right like this was just like a passion project you're like i like memes i'm not getting enough of the memes i want so i'm gonna create it (laughs) uh yeah i mean i feel like my social media background is just being addicted (laughs) to the internet (laughs) i would go on the computer every day since i was like six or seven so then it transitioned to being on my phone every day which everyone is social media has always been my go-to i like to learn new things and connect with people so i actually had a tumblr in high school that i think i had like thirteen thousand followers on it Which isn't, like, obviously a a ton, but I feel like for Tumblr in, in like, 2010, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you could get a book deal with that. (laughs) But I had no experience with growing my Instagram at all. So, I mean, you, you talk about how you don't have, like, much of a community, like, IRL in Erie, Pennsylvania. But have you, like, formed consistent relationships like I know for Diking Out there are certain listeners that we kind of have a rapport with who have been like reaching out to us from the beginning and sending messages and that kind of stuff so there are some listeners that I can definitely like identify yeah right away do you have that relationship with your followers yeah I definitely have that and then there are quite a few queer memers content creators that I interact with. The account Gay Girl Inc., her name's Wendy. 
Uh, we're pretty close friends. She lives in California, though, so we've never met. But hopefully eventually we will. Yeah, I've started to see actually queer meme makers like collaborate on memes, too. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of becoming a thing. I love that. How do you make sure that you're not stepping on each other's toes or anything like that? Like, I know that before I tweet something, I get very paranoid. I'm like, oh, is everybody else like tweeting this? Or like the few times that I've tried to make memes, I'm like, has this been done already? Am I stealing someone else's thought and not knowing it? You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very supportive community. So if someone does get inspired by someone else's idea, they'll usually credit the other person in the caption area. Um, and say, this person inspired me, or this is like a spinoff of this post. But I feel like, you know, so many of our jokes are just like reiterations of like, got to bring the U-Haul on the second date. Like some of the jokes are just so like prominent in our community that obviously they're going to be made more than once. (laughs) Right, right. I feel like I'd only, and other people would only be really offended if you literally stole someone else's image same exact text and slapped your name on it. Is, uh, what's that guy's name? He was stealing without crediting. Yeah, the fat Jewish. Oh, the fat Jewish. Okay, so he was on the meme documentary I just watched. Yeah, like, he was going as far as cropping out original, like, tweeters' names and, like, superimposing his handle on top of it. Like, that's going too far. And I, I think I watched that documentary, like, last year or whenever it came out. And a lot of people do have, like, meme accounts where they do share people's tweets or Facebook statuses or whatever. But I feel like it takes so much more effort to make your own content. Like I could easily just post other people's tweets all day and have 3.2 million followers. Like, he, like I don't know how many he has, but yeah. you know, that can easily be done. But actually making new content is really hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And yours doesn't seem like it's easy to steal. Like it seems really specific to the hot mess being brand. Yeah. Like you have your, your own like kind of style going. Yeah. I feel like A lot of it is just my tone of voice and the way I speak. And, you know, I have like a style for how I edit the images and I try to be like, I'm such a perfectionist. I deleted one of my posts the other day and I like re-uploaded it and they were like, how, like, what did you even do that you changed it? Because I mentioned in the caption that I changed it. And I was like, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to admit to you that I didn't like the color of white that (laughs) the caption background, like... (laughs) I wow. I don't want to admit that I'm that particular about it. Yeah. Okay, so what's your sign? <laughs> what do you think it is? <laughs> I don't know because I thought that was a very <laughs> earth sign thing to do with the perfectionism. But kind no. Of, I'm a Cancer sun. Okay. With okay. An Aries moon and then I have a Capricorn rising. So that might be my Capricorn rising coming. Yeah. Out. Yeah. yeah. Capricorn-esque. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly deleting like tweets the second after I post them and like re-uploading them with a new comma position yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Like it's dumb. Yeah, I follow some accounts where people are actual like graphic designers and their posts are so like their memes are so beautiful and I just kind of slap some text <laughs> onto a post. <laughs> but I feel like like I said before, the more effort I put into it, the less recognition it gets. So I'm not going to change what I'm doing at the moment (laughs) because obviously it works. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And how yeah. how often are you, like, do you have a set uh, schedule for posting? I try to post every day. I did have a set schedule when I was making more content, kind of when I feel like I had more more to say, because I don't want to just be redundant and make memes about the same experiences over and over. Back then, I was working third shift, so I would kind of just sit at work and make memes all night, and then <laughs> I would try to post one every two hours. Wow. Um, but oh, wow. now, if I like go a couple days, I start to feel bad that I'm not posting as much which no one's expecting me to post as much as I do sometimes but I like to at least do a a post or two a day if I can yeah I feel like it I don't know an Instagram post seems like such a simple thing but with my experience with both diking out and my uh every gay Susan account Mm -hmm. that is still going but I just don't post nearly that often like (laughs) Even just to post to every gay Susan once a week felt like just like such a weight and it would take so much time of me like going through my list of Susans and being like, okay, well, which one do I do now? What what do I say about them? Do I pick one image? Do I pick a bunch of images? And then like by the time it's set, it's like two hours for one freaking post on every gay Susan. I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Like I should be cooking dinner or something. (laughs) Yeah, I try not to put too much thought into it sometimes like. I'll make a post and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to put as a caption. So I'll just post a, like an emoji or something. Like <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time concentrating on that because yeah. in the long run, I feel like it's more about quantity. <laughs> I mean, quality, obviously, but yeah, qu- quantity helps. For sure. Yeah. And is this like at all lucrative for you? Like, do you have sponsors? That was my next question. You have to be approached probably by... Like sp- doing sponsored posts. Yeah, usually sex toy brands. 
I found that, like, <laughs> not many other companies want to work with the gay community, which is kind of sad. Um, but yeah. hopefully that changes. But yeah, I've worked with a few different brands. It's a nice little side hustle, but it's not nearly as much as you'd think <laughs> I'm making based off of like what everyone says about influencers and sh- social media. But, you know, it would be really cool if I could make it like a full time gig. <laughs> I think you could. Yeah. I mean, you have such a great following, but that is true that like something like if you have someone doing memes with and you have over 100,000 followers, but then you have somebody who's like a lifestyle person and it's all these like very posed, like my life Mm -hmm. is perfect pictures of themselves and they might only have like 10,000 followers and they're getting like free product and stuff like that to showcase like I remember seeing somebody recently who had maybe only like 6,000 followers and they were having sponsored posts by some like very high-end brands. Wow. And it's like, how does that work? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of brands are like, they offer to send stuff to you instead of paying you. And I'm like, we live in the time of coronavirus. Uh, I can't accept, you know. (laughs) Yeah, true. Makeup. Not that anyone ever approaches me to give me makeup, but I can't accept that at this point. Like, I have enough. I'd rather have money I can pay my bills with. Well, and and also, like, you don't have pictures of yourself on the account. So if, like, Mm -hmm. they sent you makeup and wanted you to wear it and post it to Hot Mespian, I'm guessing you wouldn't, right? I have done that once for a vibrator giveaway that I did. But, yeah, usually I try to stay away from posting myself, like, on my actual feed. That might change because I am planning on starting a YouTube channel um, but I kind Ooh. of keep talking to myself out of it. Um, so so that might change a little bit, but it's still mostly just going to be content and not my face. Yeah. So are you out to like your family and your coworkers or is this like a secret alter ego that like <laughs> only your best friends know about? I am out. My mom knows about my Instagram account, but I won't let her follow it. (laughs) Then I feel like I can't be open about like my sex life or, you know, that kind of information because I'll be like, oh, my mom's going to read this. I don't want her to know that me and my girlfriend broke the bed having sex. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and she's she's like pretty cool with things. But I don't know. I just feel like that would be kind of weird. So I am open to people. A lot of my friends follow the account. I found out my cousin follows it and I was kind of weirded out by that because I was like, oh, she knows too much now. Right, but... right. One of my cousins listens to Diking Out and I forget. And then at Thanksgiving, she'll be like, yeah, I know you talked about that on the pod. I'm like, oh, then you know all the other things I talked about yep. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, and then right now I'm actually working as like a home health aide. So I don't technically have any coworkers. So it's not an ah. issue, but coworkers from my old job know about it. A home health worker. So would you have been someone that would have like gone to Terry and Pat's house and helped? That's my first Yes, <laughs> actually. Yeah, it's not the, you know, the most glamorous job, but it's nice to be making money during the whole pandemic. <laughs> no, that's that's such an amazing job. My girlfriend and I are actually planning on moving to Philly this fall unless, you know, things get crazier than they are right now. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to live in, like, New York or somewhere (laughs) a bit... I mean, Philly's pretty gay, and that's, like, one of the main reasons we want to move is because we want more of, like, an actual community. But I feel like running the meme page is, like, the poor woman's UCB. (laughs) 
Like, I would love to go to, like, study comedy, but I really can't afford to live in New York. I don't yeah. know how people UCB's do it. UCB's dead in yeah. New York anyways. <laughs> I would have thought that coronavirus really would make people not want to move to New York and <laughs> have people I mean, being I, like... I still would if I had the... If I, if I could. If I had, you know, a sugar mama, sugar daddy, someone who would help me pay my bills... <laughs> I would be there. Darn it. I was really hoping that this would decrease the population of New York, (laughs) just in terms of, not in terms of people dying, to be very clear, just in terms of people not living here and using the trains during rush hour. But that is very selfish. But I had coronavirus, so I feel like I get to be selfish about it, right? You had or have. It's just... (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I never ends. I'm supposed to get the test this week, but I've been putting it off every day. Cecilia and I are like, are are we doing this today? No, we can do it tomorrow. Like, (laughs) we've got nothing but time. Oh, are you making memes about coronavirus? Because I do follow an astrology meme account who explicitly said she would not be making coronavirus memes. So I did. I just realized that's maybe a choice meme makers, meme yeah. content creators are kind of having to make. Um, I've made a few memes about it, but I try not to because I just feel like we're constantly being like plagued with information about it. And I want my page to just be like a safe space that you don't have to think about like the realities of the world. Totally. Yeah. But I have like, especially towards the beginning of the pandemic, when all of the flight prices started dropping i made a meme about like long distance lesbians going to visit their girlfriends okay that's very real (laughs) i know friends who yeah jumped on that yeah Yeah. so (laughs) i have made content like that but i'm you know i don't want to joke about it too much because it is such a such a scary situation Oh, my God. We got to talk about the meme that you made after you apparently heard us talk about Now and Then. Yeah. I loved that movie when I was younger. Me, too. I mean, I still I still watch it frequently. But, mm-hmm. yeah, ever since I was a kid. And it was like, I'm pulling it up. When you grew up thinking you were just a tomboy, but it turns out you were a massive dyke all along. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the childhood Roberta and yes. Rosie O'Donnell. Ugh, love yes. it. Yeah, like, looking back, it makes so much sense. But I don't know. I feel like I don't know how I didn't pick up on things as a child because my grandma was actually a nurse who was, like, super into, like, HIV-AIDS advocacy. So I was always around a lot of gay people. And, like, she would go to the gay bars and hand out condoms when we had more than one. She would go to the gay bars and hand out condoms. and What a cool fucking grandma. Right? Oh, my God. And, like, me and my grandpa would go pick her up from the gay bar, like, when she was done. Like, it was really cool. And then their next-door neighbors were two lesbians, which I didn't figure out until middle school. Were their names Terry and Pat? You thought they were cousins? <laughs> I just thought they were roommates. Um, but yeah, they were just like two older ladies, which I had no idea. And then I just kind of figured it out. I don't I don't know. I guess I just didn't put two and two together until I was older. But I also didn't realize, realize I was gay until I was 20. It took me a while. That's so funny. I was like overly suspicious of everybody. Once I knew like what the concept of being gay was, I was always <laughs> like, mom, is he gay? gay (laughs) and she's like uh yes why are you asking i'm like oh just wondering (laughs) just yeah making a list 
<laughs> I am quarantine. My activity is just going through all these old VHS tapes I have from home videos from when my parents moved. I just grabbed like a box full and took them to my apartment. And it's crazy that they didn't pick up on the fact that I was a queer kid. <laughs> like there's one home video where it's like my birthday party. And I'm saying this like in Farsi, but it translates to like I have a rainbow on my birthday, like ice cream cake. And I'm just like begging like everyone leave the rainbow for me. Like, do Aww. not touch the rainbow. Ah. Please let me eat that rainbow. And then my That's mom so and I were talking about it and I like took a video of it on my phone and sent it to her. And she goes, well, I guess you finally got to eat that rainbow. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> is that a gay joke or a gay sex joke or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that rainbow. That's so funny. Yeah, that that reminds me of uh, Tegan and Sarah when they wrote their high school memoir. They found like all these videos of them when they were younger. And there's one where um, they're doing like a project for school and they're being asked by one of their like secret girlfriends at the time about like whether or not they know any gay people and if they mm. think like being gay is wrong. And you could just tell like... There's, like, so much going on in these poor teenagers' heads because they're, like, secretly gay but, like, uh, have a lot of shame around it but are, like, yeah. also know that that's kind of what they probably are. I don't know. but Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's so weird. Like, I kind of al always knew I liked girls, but I was like, you have to, like, try things out with a guy first before you can, you know, test the waters with a woman. Like, I didn't really yeah. think that there was another option. Like, I thought I had to kiss a boy and date a boy before I did anything else. But there was so, so many signs. There were so many signs. My best friend in, like, eighth grade, her mom asked if we were lesbians. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. like, I, I don't know where she I, I mean, we spent a ton of time together. But, like, there was that. I used to make my Sims have sex all the time. Like, yes. the female Sims. Yes. Um, what else? <laughs> I used to... Ha oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. But I used to go on, like, Omegle and, like, chat roulette. Is is it? I don't know. Oh, where it's just, like, videos of people all over the world you click through? Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. I would literally have webcam sex <laughs> in high school. Oh, my God. With other girls. <laughs> and I was still in denial until I was 20. That's so funny. Because I had like <laughs> AOL chat room sex. <laughs> yes. That felt really anonymous, but oh man, chat man, room. I, I did chat roulette once and like the first thing that came up was, was like a guy jerking off and then I was yeah, like, no. Right, it was all dicks every time yeah. I tried to go on there. Yeah, like how did you get to the, did you just have to like keep clicking through until you got to women? Yeah, there was like one in like 5,000. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. It, it, was, it was a very rare thing. I think it happened like twice, but <laughs> I was in a lot of denial. Yeah, what uh, because you're like significantly younger than than me, what were your resources on the internet for getting information about like lesbians in the queer community when you were first like figuring out things? Oh. So before I really started figuring out things, also in high school, I didn't know how to find porn, which I found out that like because one like I have a lot of followers who are younger they all know about like Pornhub and stuff like that but I didn't know about that in high school so I would just go on YouTube and type in like girls <laughs> kissing uh, okay and my girlfriend does that <laughs> like <Yeah>. still <laughs> yeah we but all I move find, at our own speed <laughs> I would find like porn intros that cut off just <laughs> when things <laughs> would get like too raunchy for YouTube 
I had to download it off LimeWire. I had to go to LimeWire. Oh, I used to do that on Kazaa. Yeah, yeah, Kazaa and LimeWire. I was trying to download lesbian porn and then, like, watch it and then delete it and, like, try to hide all electronic evidence on my computer (laughs) that I had looked at some, like, lesbian porn. But my dad was, like, very intrusive and didn't care about our privacy, so he... Mm had gone on the computer, which, like, everybody in the family used and was mm-hmm. like, oh, somebody's been watching porn. And <gasps> it could have honestly been any of us, though. because That I was feel bold like, of you to do it on a family computer, though. <laughs> I know. I feel like I, co- I would have covered my tracks the best, though. And I mm-hmm. think that everybody was a suspect. And then my dad was probably, like, looking at more porn than any of us. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He probably just, like, found a link that wasn't something that he had searched and was like, what's this? (laughs) I remember when I was younger, there was a book. I don't even remember what it was called. Was it The Joy of Sex? (laughs) No, it was, I don't know, some, like, middle schooler, young adult book. And it was, like, Not The Joy of Sex. It was, like, Kissing Kate or something. And I remember just, like, staring at this book in the library, but I was too afraid to take it home. With me. Oh my god. So I would just like read the back cover over and over about this girl who had like feelings about her friend because they kissed once. But I was like too terrified to actually read the book. That was my original porn. Like, go, I talked about this when I first came on Diking Out, I think, um, as a guest, but I would go to the public library and like read romance novels. Mm-hmm. And like, my porn was my imagination in the way that these romance novels would describe like boobs bursting out of a bodice (laughs) (laughs) like and petticoats and it would be like straight sex they're describing but I would just like imagine the woman yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny though because like pulp like lesbian pulp fiction was like a big thing years ago and I'm like who who was hiding that from me like why didn't I have access to that Mm -hmm. when I was younger I was reading that a lot of those books were, like, tailored towards men, which is why a lot of the endings are with the women, like, dying. Yeah, they're either (laughs) dying or they go back to their boyfriends or, like, suffer some sort of, like, terrible thing. Yeah, I I really didn't start reading them until, like, until I moved to New York and then was just, like, reading lesbian pulp fiction on the subway. I'm like, this is great, (laughs) other than the endings. Uh, I don't know where I really got most information. I know when I first started to suspect that I might be gay, I watched The L Word, but I had like seen it on Netflix in high school, but I was too afraid to watch it because I sure didn't count with my family. And it would like show them that I watched it. So then once Netflix had like the separate accounts and I was really figuring things out, I finally watched that. But I don't really know how I got information about it maybe just like tumblr yeah i mean it just seems like there were probably so many more places and like now there's like so many options for where people can get their queer content that they find relatable whether it's like tiktok or like now instagram or youtube Mm -hmm. and all of those things that i was on like uh web forums about people (laughs) questioning their sexuality that was where i yeah (laughs) i would go on like reddit forums a lot but i mean this was only a few years ago. So yeah, things have changed a lot since then. So you mentioned that you're thinking about doing a, a YouTube channel. Like what 
do you want to share like what you're kind of thinking? So I'm pretty sure my first video, which I tried to record, but I didn't really like how it turned out. So I might re-record it this weekend is going to be me looking for sperm donors on Tinder. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> which I actually did before because I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, I want a baby. <laughs> so I went on <laughs> Tinder and was looking for sperm donors and then I told my friends about it at work the next day. And they were like, don't do that. That's a stupid <laughs> idea. So I was like, you're right. And deleted it. <laughs> but I figured it would be a good video idea. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. You know, as somebody who had to ask around for sperm. Very recently. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't start earlier enough because I looked around and I'm like, why don't I have more guy friends in my life that I would feel comfortable right. asking them? <laughs> Yeah, and the older you get, the more likely they are to be with women who are not cool with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As Allie and I are starting to learn. <laughs> yeah, when when guys are young, they're not really thinking of the consequences, so you got to get them before <laughs> before they have somebody that, that would get angry about that. I actually did have some guys say yes to me when I originally tried it. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, when guys are, like, too eager about it, then you're like, okay, hold on a second. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and it was really weird because it was only, like, Middle Eastern men who said yes to me. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Is that a thing? Are they trying to spread yeah. their seed? <laughs> yes, they're always trying to spread their seed, and I can say that as a Middle Eastern girl. They're the horniest, and if you go on any, like, Instagram hot girl page, it's all Middle Eastern men, like begging for them to sit on their face and it's always like an Iranian or Saudi guy in the comments <laughs> I swear yeah well I would I would watch that YouTube series thank you yeah hopefully I can come up with you know more than just that um I also want to do like more educational videos too yeah I think you have such a following that just keeps growing that you can really like just leverage in the future into a lot of cool opportunities. I'm yeah, just like excited so. <laughs> for you and yeah. like brainstorming over here. Yeah, yeah. No, this it's really awesome what you've done. This needs to be your job. Yeah. And yeah. not not to bring up Ellen again because I know that was an issue for you recently. <laughs> no, bring her um, up, bring her up. But I wanna be like <laughs> yeah. I wanna be like the biracial <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> the biracial Ellen of memes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, but beyond memes, you can go beyond memes and be yes. kind to one another with memes. That's great. <laughs> I had a, a listener actually message me, and I'm using this opportunity to talk about it because I didn't bring it up, <laughs> Melody, so it's fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> but it was it was very interesting. This listener was saying, you know, that to them, like, I might as well be Ellen because okay. that's how unrealistic my life seems to them you know like it just seems so like that I was able to safely come out and live in New York City and talk weekly about being gay and not have that hurt my standing with like my family my friends um, employment opportunities or any of that 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 seems like so privileged yeah, I mean, yeah, the the privilege of that makes me seem like I'm just so out of touch with what like her experience was coming from like another country and having to leave because she's gay and like the hardships for like her family and having to be closeted and experiences like as an immigrant in the new country she's in. I'm very aware of that that I'm 
a privileged person and a privileged lesbian and have had a, a pretty good experience, but I never thought that I would seem like so out of touch <laughs> the same way Ellen is. I don't think you seem out of touch. I just feel like I was nervous to speak with you guys because I just feel like, you know, you're older, you're trying to have a baby, you're married, <laughs> um, you guys live in New York City, you're, you're like actually working in comedy. It just like, it seems like such a different life. That's how I feel about Carolyn too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just trying to be up here and uh, feeling untouchable. That's all. <laughs> it's great. Uh, don't look me in the eye. No. Uh, <laughs> but now now you know the secret, Cheyenne, that I'm just some uh, old lesbian that is still trying to wrap her head around memes and TikTok. So <laughs> you've peeked behind the curtain. And yeah, it's we were nervous to talk to you. Just I know, to sound right? so old and out of touch no i don't think you, i don't think you do at all and i i honestly don't understand tiktok that much there are so many like thirst traps on there but it's so cringy i i wish i had that kind of a uh, thirst trap confidence but boy mm-hmm. i can barely manage a selfie without feeling like a complete douche nozzle so uh <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird because I see a lot of, like, some of the lesbians, like, in their 20s or 30s making jokes about how they think a lesbian on TikTok is hot and then they find out she's 16. And I'm like, oh, this is, (laughs) don't make that joke. That's not funny. And I do see, like, I do see people on there and I'm like, she looks older than me. And I'm, like, 10 years older than her. Like, it it is really strange how, how much girls have to grow up now um, right and like the expectations for what they should look like but i'm not going to be making jokes about how hot i think a teenager is that yeah it's a it's it's strange that's definitely like a a source of like discomfort for me is mm-hmm. like revisiting stuff that I watched when I was like younger and first coming out and everything. And then if I see it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember thinking this is like really hot when I was 19, (laughs) but now I'm like in my thirties and I just feel like a big creep that I'm still like nostalgic about this TV character couple that I used to ship. And yes, I am talking about Spashley from South of Nowhere. Okay, listeners, get over it. I love that show. (laughs) Sorry, I liked it when they make out. Well, that actually gets us into our listener question. uh, Speaking of age differences. but Oh, uh, big time. First, do you have anything else that you want to tell our listeners about memes? What is a meme? (laughs) Right. I know that we should have started. I know. I was like, I I have a feeling that maybe uh, we might have some international listeners or older listeners that are still like, yeah, Carolyn, we thought you were going to explain a meme when you talked about how you didn't know what one was. Yeah, I can't even explain a meme. It's just like a funny picture with a joke on it. And sometimes the picture or the style of the joke gets reused. (laughs) That's like the best explanation I can think of. Great. I'm glad we talked about this in chronological order. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, anything else you want to say before we... I don't think so. I guess just follow me if you want to see me embarrass myself on YouTube. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. Let's get to our listener question, which has to do with age differences. Yes. Here we go. Okay. I'm 17, and after using the dating app Her, I've come to realize, sadly, that it is really, really hard to find any young lesbian slash queer girls my age where I live. 
I've been asked out on a few dates by older lesbians on the app, but I've always just said no. There's this 24-year-old woman that I've been talking to who I've been very clear with that I'm 17. She's asked me to hang out with her. Am I making a big mistake by saying yes? Yes. Mm, <laughs> As yes. a 24-year-old, <laughs> I would not be hanging out with a 17-year-old. I mean, maybe like if I was related to them and I was kind of forced to hang out with them. I mean, right. not forced, but you know, like that's different, but I don't that's and yeah. people people have gotten mad at me for saying this on my account that like I don't think age gaps like that are appropriate. <laughs> And I've genuinely had people get upset with me for saying that I think that's weird. But I think that's weird. I think you cannot bridge high school. I think high school needs mm-hmm. to be contained. And if you are 17, because your life changes so much once you get out of high school, that to be with somebody who is like still and it, it's just such a radical shift. And there's just something predatory, I think. I feel like we're going to get flack for it, though, because, like, people will be like, the age of adulthood is different in other countries. This is a very American point of view. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there are such big differences in people's lives. Yeah. I'm pretty firm about this, but I also know, like... When I read this question, I'm like, this listener could have been me. Like, I could have seen myself at 17 knowing enough to be like, no, 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 no. And then finally being like, eh, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, things don't magically change when you turn 18. But what 24-year-old wants to go to prom when they be at a bar? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first really, really serious girlfriend that I had before me she was dating someone who was maybe two or three years older so she was in high school and this person was in college and Mm -hmm. and they met at at work and she was mad that her girlfriend didn't want to go to her prom I'm like well I get why she doesn't want to go to your prom she's like out of high school she's over it like and that's weird that you guys are still together <laughs> you shouldn't. and especially this person can legally drink they're almost legally able to like run a vehicle <laughs> it's, right i yeah. don't know I, I don't know why you need the dating apps yet right yeah that like, seems young like i i get it i get it as somebody who was a teenager who like couldn't wait to be older and like out on my own and stuff but it's mm. like you you have plenty of time and like what I don't know. I think it's it's a great time to be in that like fun gray area of tension and like not knowing if people are gay and like feeling that whole yeah. part. That's a very specific part of your life that will change later on. And I don't know. Like it, when I was seventeen, it was more fun to be like, oh, who who might be gay and, like, who can I have crushes on that mm-hmm. I know IRL rather than, like, going on an app and feeling like I have to meet people people that way. Yeah, and I when I read this question, I thought, wow, that's interesting. When I used to use the dating app, her, everyone was 18 on there. I had yeah. the opposite problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was in my <laughs> mid-20s, maybe right when it came out. And, yeah, everyone was 18, so I had to get off of it. Yeah, I feel like you have the rest of your life to be disappointed by people you meet on dating apps. (laughs) You don't need to start it at 17. (laughs) It's for when you don't have built-in social institutions like school. Like school or part-time jobs (laughs) or camp or whatever it is that that you can do. 
I don't know. I know there are those like May December romances, which I'm I'm dying to have an episode about. Like I really <laughs> want ideally Sarah Paulson, but I know I'm not holding my breath. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To talk about like those age gaps as you get older, but like though like to me, a relationship between like a twenty seven year old and a fifty year old makes more sense than a relationship between a twenty three year old and a seventeen year old. Yeah. yeah, crucial years. You're like a wildly different person every year at that age. Yeah, I know it might be tempting because she can buy you alcohol, but that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, I, because I came out at 20, and that was four years ago, I've never dated women other than on the apps. So I don't even know how to meet women in person. So I feel like that's a really good skill to learn <laughs> from a young age. Yeah. yeah, it's uh it's terrifying, but I've also been married twice, so uh <laughs> it works out. <laughs> All right, I think we answered that. This was another question that got sent a while ago and I hope it's it might be too late. She might have she's probably living with this 24-year-old right now because <laughs> we weren't able to talk her out of it. So if you do have a question that needs more immediate attention, you can go to wizio.com. That's w i s i o.com/dikingout and we will answer your question uh, with a video that's just for you and help you with any specific time-sensitive problem you might have. And if you do have a question, write in to dykingout at gmail.com, please. I know we have a backlog of them, but keep sending them in. I feel like they've been slowing up a little bit lately. Remember to subscribe, review, recommend Diking Out. You can get extra content on Patreon at patreon.com slash dykingout. If you can't do Patreon, you can always support the podcast by PayPaling us. And there is a link in the episode description. Hot Mespian is your handle on Instagram. Also Twitter. And I have a Facebook page and YouTube. <laughs> oh, oh, you're you're on all the channels. Okay. So <laughs> so Hot Mespian is gonna be the YouTube one to subscribe to. Yes. Great. Excellent. And yeah, it's important to subscribe to it because YouTube has a whole thing that you need like a hundred subscribers to have. Do you already have a hundred? I think it's like a thousand actually to get a thousand any... to to monetize. Yeah, like but yeah. but I know that they don't monetize like queer content so i'm not holding my breath <laughs> yeah youtube is really bad about that but to to get like a unique url i think you have to have like at least a mm-hmm. hundred or a thousand or something weird like that so subscribe to to hot mespian everywhere um i love it when you pop into my feed and it's always like a good laugh really appreciate i think it's it, it is a big service to the community i think we can yeah. always use more humor and more things that bring us together and i think humor mm. and memes do that so to have done this at 24 like you are so awesome and definitely Killing like it. an inspiration for a lot of people Thank you. And you can follow us at Diking Out on all the platforms. You can follow me personally at TGI Carolyn or Every Gay Susan and keep me accountable. <laughs> you can follow me at Melody Kamali. And thank you so much, everyone, for diking out with us today. Dike out with us soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.